which adds that at 3 p.m. local time, for all Americans to voluntarily and informally observe in their own way a moment of remembrance and respect, pausing from whatever they are doing for a moment of silence, listening to tax. There's probably no one here that has lost a loved one in one of our wars. I know I've had family members that served from the very beginning of American history. I trace my lineage back, you could say. French Indian Wars, the American Revolution, and more. And it's now it seems to become more tragic because war isn't defined as it used to be. Once war was between nations and militaries. Now war has gone to a different level with terrorism. It's not only our soldiers who perish, but our civilian population. As on 9-11. So many innocent lives were lost due to an aggressive attack on our country. Civilians and those who serve in public safety office, firemen, policemen, EMTs. So now Memorial Day is going to take on a new way of remembrance. Because it won't be just our American soldiers and all branches that are losing their lives, but our citizens as well. So please remember that tomorrow, but in whatever way you're celebrating, remember all those that have been lost to the many dreadful conflicts of war. Let's start with Father God, we're so grateful and thankful to be here today. In a country that does have freedom. Father, we thank you for all those great men and women who have served in our country's military so that we can have that freedom and liberty. The ability to preach your word openly without fear. Father, bless each and every member of our military, those serving both at home and abroad, in whatever capacity. Watch over them, Lord. Protect them. And Father, let us always know that without you, nothing is possible. We look forward to the day when there will be no more wars. There will be no more need for a memorial day. For the day when all there will be is joy and rejoicing and all tears will be wiped away.
Today we're going to be looking at speech because what we say really doesn't matter. Let's look at Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's so good. Father, again, thank you. Lord, open the hearts and minds of everyone here to listen to the message and gain something from it. Because our speech is so important. And today we're going to be looking at how it affects not only us, but those around us. And we're going to be looking in your word to find out how we can better use our speech to serve and glorify you. In Christ's holy name, Amen.
Yeah. 
Good morning, everyone. I hope everybody's had a great week. It's been pretty, pretty, well, except for the first of the week, it's been pretty outside. Uh, we were blessed with some rain on Monday and Tuesday. That was good. Um, before we get down to business, let's start off with a little humor pill. And since it's Memorial Day weekend, I thought this one would be appropriate. And you may have heard this one before, but in case you haven't, here it is. One Sunday morning, the pastor noticed little Alex staring up at a large plaque that, that, in the, that hung in the church foyer. The plaque was covered with names and small American flags were mounted on either side of it. The seven-year-old had been staring at the plaque for some time, so the pastor walked up and stood beside him and said quietly, Good morning, Alex. Well, good morning, pastor, replied the young man, still focused on the plaque. Pastor McGee, what's this? Alex asked. Well, son... It's a memorial to all the men and women who have died in the service. Soberly, they stood there together, staring up at the large plaque. Little Alex's voice was barely audible when he finally managed to ask a question. Which service, Pastor? The morning or evening? Yeah, 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 yeah. Picking on the pastor, but... Young man didn't know. This week I wanted to get my sermon done early so I wouldn't be up to four in the morning like I was last week. Yeah. And I started on several different topics, but nothing seemed to click. So I started praying every day for the Lord to give me the direction to go and Thursday the Lord opened my eyes and if you recall before Mother's Day we were in the book of James and that's where I feel the Lord wants us to be. So the sermon was a lot easier to write this week because I was in God's will. I was where he wanted me to be and that is James chapter 3 picking up where we were before. At Memorial Day, last time we were in James chapter 2. And in this chapter, James is addressing speech. And if he were writing it today, he would probably include what we write as well in text and emails and on social media posts like Facebook and Twitter. We know how the Twitter post goes. It's been in the news a lot since President Trump likes to to tweet a lot. He, he's tweeting all the time. And the media love to pick up on that. I think it's really important because what we say really does matter and our words are very powerful. We'll also be looking into pro at Proverbs today as well because it has a lot to say about our speech. With his word, God spoke everything into existence. In John 1.1, 1, 1, 
Jesus is referred to as the Word, capital W. That's very important when you're looking in the text. The word Word is written with a capital W. That's very significant and comes into play when you look at some of the other religions. When they come knocking on your door and you show them, get, let them show you John 3.16 in their Bible, their Bible has a little W, which changes the significance altogether when you look at the original languages. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So now let's turn to James. lost my place. James chapter 3 to see what he has to say. Again we're in James chapter 3. We're going to start on verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Let me tell you, when you feel the call to preach, this is one of those verses that really hits home. Because it shows how serious a matter this is with the Lord. That's why I want to make sure when I get up to preach that everything I say is backed by the Bible. And it's not just when I preach either because I have found out that people are listening and reading everything I say. And everyone has things that they are passionate about, social issues, politics, religious doctrine, and I'm no different. But I have learned that sometimes before I say or type, I should think hard about how it will affect or influence others. And if it is something from God or just something from a worldly, personal perspective. So we have to be careful when, when we're writing an email. We've got to be careful when we're posting something online. We've got to be careful when we're talking to someone. Because... That will count. And once it's out there, it's out there. Let's continue reading. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Whatever the will of the pilot directs. 
How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, a tongue that is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. Now here, this word hell, when you look at the original language, it's written in Greek. And in Greek, that word hell is Gehenna. Like the bottomless pit in Revelation 9.1 and 11.7. And appears to be the source, it means it appears to be the source of evil on earth. When you look at Revelation 9-1 and verse 11-7, you'll see that it's like a fiery pit opened up on the earth. And smoke was billowing up out of it like a giant cauldron. And it spewed forth all sorts of plagues and disease and locusts. So the word hell here is representing when we speak. Our words can be like that hell, bringing hell on earth because of the way we speak, the the terms and the words that we use. As we continue on, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We can also look to Proverbs to see how powerful our words are. If we look in Proverbs 15.2, again, Proverbs 15.2, says this, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. If we stay in Proverbs 15 and look at verse Four says a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. 
So how does what you say affect you? Your speech, your speech can bring you joy or ruin. Every word we speak can either elevate us up, bring us up joy, or send us hurtling down to ruin. In Proverbs we read, in Proverbs 12, 13 through 14, an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good. And the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Let's look at a couple others as well. Proverbs 10, 14. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. And this next one is the one that I really like. And it's in Proverbs 18. In Proverbs 18, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. It says this. Like I said, I really like this one. It says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is ruined, and his lips are a snare to his soul. And some of the best advice of all is in Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 21, 23, and it says this, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. In other words, what it's saying, sometimes you just need to be quiet and stay out of trouble. If you open your mouth, sometimes spouting things that you believe or think, you can get you into trouble. Words get people into trouble all the time. I know it. I've been there. But our words don't only affect us, they affect the others in our life. They affect our words affect everyone that we speak to. And again, when we use our words, we're either building people up or tearing them down. notice I've got a couple things going on up here. What I'm doing, just to explain, I'm recording the sermon. I recorded last week's sermon at home, but it's different because it's not live. It's sort of hard to sit at your computer desk and record a sermon and have give the, the same life as it does when I'm preaching for y'all. But I'm putting these on sermons, let me, let sermons online, and let me tell you why, because I have brothers and sisters all over the world. I've got my brother in Christ down in Mexico, Haziel. He wants me to come down there. I've got my brother Alex over in Africa. He's a pastor over there. And he's asked me several times, please, please, Brother Sam, come over and preach. I said, I can't. I don't have, I don't have the resources to do those things. And I have brothers and sisters in Italy, in Belgium, in Australia. Young girl that I was on a mission trip with, Kim, she's down in Australia. I love reading her post on Facebook because she's 
young and she's in ministry and guiding youth. So I want these people to be able to hear the sermons. And I also have friends here locally. And I'm hoping they'll listen to the sermons, get a little bit of interest going, and come here and join us. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Get a couple more people in the building. Some of them have young children. Wouldn't that be a blessing as well? So that's why I'm doing this. I'm putting forth an effort to broaden the church's reach. So the sermons aren't just here. They're going all over the world. And who knows if someone that has never been reached by the Lord yet clicks on that link on my Facebook page. How amazing it would be for someone that doesn't know the Lord to hear a sermon and say, I need that. I need what those people at Dallas Heights Baptist Church has. The joy of knowing Christ. Wouldn't that be great? And usually when we speak to others, they usually aren't strangers. Who are they? They're the people closest to us. Our family members and friends. Have you ever said something in the heat of the moment, usually out of anger and immediately thought, Oops, I shouldn't have said that. Yes, it's that open mouth, insert foot syndrome. And once it's said, it's out there and can't be taken back. There's no rewind or erase button for our mouths, unfortunately. When we go to Proverbs again, Proverbs 11, 9. It says this. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor... But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. In Proverbs 16, 27, we read, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. We look at Psalms. In chapter 55, Psalms, chapter 55, verses 20 through 21. Again, this is Psalms 55, 20 through 21. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter. Yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. 
And this is what I like to call a backhanded compliment. It's when someone is talking and their facial expression and tone of voice sound like they're expressing something good. But in actuality, instead of a pat on the back, it's a knife and a slap across the face. Have you ever had one of those backhanded compliments? Or have you ever given one? It's something to think about, isn't it? When you're speaking to someone and you maybe not, maybe don't agree with them, so, but you don't want to really upset them, so you smile and say something. And, but really, you're slapping them across. Sometimes we do that without thinking. A lot of times we just act on emotion. And we say stuff in the moment, like I said. And once, once we say it, it's there and it's in that person's mind for the rest of their lives. And some people love to hold a grudge. Once you say something to some people... They can't, even if you apologize, they can't. In their mind, you're always the person that said that thing. And they can't give it up. It's, they're like a pit bull that once they grab hold of it, they ain't letting go. And we're the same way. When people say something to us, which I'm going to get into a little bit later on, We've got to learn to let it go. That's one of the things we as Christians have to do. But more than just bringing people down, your words can lift someone up. Friday, I needed to burn off some calories after having a big lunch. Went to the, the Mexican food place over there on Boy Scout Road. They, they, what used to be Teresa's, now it's Habanero Mexican Grill. Food's a lot better now. Service is a lot better too. But I ate a little bit more than I should have, even though I didn't eat everything. I've learned to cut back. I didn't want all that nice hot cheese sauce. It tastes really good, but it's loaded with salt and sends my blood pressure through. So I only ate half. Only ate half of, half of that because of the cheese sauce on it. But it was good because it was grilled chicken. It wasn't fried. That's another plus. Trying to get my health in better condition so the doctor won't get on me as much. But I went to the mall for a walk. Now I'm one of those people that I love to observe people. In the mall, at the ball game, I like to just watch people. See how they interact. Look at their facial expressions. And you know what I noticed? All these people in the mall, of course we're in a hurry. And none of them, or just about none of them, I should say, were smiling. And the majority, majority of them looked absolutely miserable. 
Have you noticed that when you're out and about? You see people? But I was in a happy mood. I was good. I had a full belly and I was full of the joy of the Holy Spirit and I had a big smile on my face and I was walking through the mall and I looked people directly in the eye and say, hey, how you doing? And you know what they would do? They would look at me and the overwhelming majority of them would smile back and nod. I had one gentleman as I was walking across the storefront, he was standing outside of the store because that's what you do when you're a mall worker. Especially when there's nobody in the store, because I've worked in the mall too. And in those few moments where you may not have anybody in the store, and you've already stocked the shelves, you've already cleaned everything, you sort of stand at the storefront, you know, watching people come by. And I said to this young man, hey, how you doing? And you know what he said? Good. He looked puzzled, he said, well, thank you for asking. I had a little impact there. And I continued walking, smiling and greeting people. Bringing smiles to people's faces. Now there was one young lady that had a beautiful smile on her face. And she was at the Chick-fil-A because after about my fourth trip around, I wanted something to drink. So I said, I'm going to get me one of those Chick-fil-A diet lemonade because those things are good. So I stopped and I was in the line and there were three people there taking orders and I said, I hope I get her. Because she had the most beautiful smile. And I did get her. And I greeted her with a smile and we talked, chatted a little bit. And she had that beautiful smile and her name was China. She spelled it with a, I, a Y, not an I. So well, that spelled different. She goes, yeah, it is. I didn't ask her, but I'm pretty sure that young lady knows the Lord. Because of the way she smiled. And the way she acted, she, had, she gave off that aura of somebody that loved the Lord. And loved serving. And in whatever capacity, even if it's at Chick-fil-A, she was serving God. You could just tell it. And it's wonderful when you're out in the world and you meet somebody like that. And you can associate, even if it's just when you're placing an order for a diet, lemonade. That small little fellowship and a kinship with someone. And amidst all the people that are still living in the world of the lost. There's a TV series called The Walking Dead. We live in the world of The Walking Dead. Because we are living. We are living as members of heaven. Brothers and sisters through Christ. This world is not our home. So we are the living among the living dead. The souls out there that are lost, that are walking around miserable, without a smile on their face. And sometimes Christians can walk around the mall and look the same way, don't get me wrong. 
because they're in such a hurry, they're in such a bustle, thinking about what they got to do. But a smile does make a difference. Those small words can make a difference. That one, hey, how you doing, and smile might brighten somebody's day. And as Christians, that's what we should be out to do. We want people to see us and say, I want what they have. What's causing them to walk around and smile like that when they're so busy and have so much going on in this crazy world where everything's rush, rush, rush? I got a schedule I got to keep. I got to stay on schedule. You can stay on schedule and have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Amen? So this week when you're out and about this week when you're out and about what you need to do is think about how you can build someone up with your words and your attitude. Let's look at Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. In Proverbs 16, 21, again, it's Proverbs 16, 21. Like I said, we, Proverbs got a lot to say about about. Our speech, the words that we use. It says, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases pervasiveness. Persuasiveness, yes. When you have those big long words, sometimes, (laughs) isn't that that awesome? The wise of the heart is called discerning and the sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. And these are good too. We look at Proverbs 16. Again in 16, 23 through 24. It says, The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Isn't that beautiful? When you read it, don't you say, oh, isn't that, that's that great? How, how, how deep is that? And now look, look, let's look at, look at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, written by my favorite guy, one of, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, good old Paul. He's writing to the letter of, a letter to the church in Ephesus. Look at chapter 4, verse 29. He says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. That it may give grace to those who hear it. And of course, there's times when we need to speak. They say timing is everything, and that's the truth. There are times when we should speak up or out, but there's other times when we should just, pardon my language, just shut up. Grandmama said never say shut up. Did your grandmama tell her, don't you say shut up? Gentlemen said, don't say shut up. But sometimes we just need to shut up and be quiet. Keep our opinions to ourselves. So there is an appropriate time for speaking. Now, of course, the tricky part of, of this is learning the timing, when the timing is right, and what occasions warn us to speak. When we, if you'll turn to Ecclesiastes, this is Ecclesiastes. We're going to be looking at verse three or uh, chapter three, verses one through eight. It says, "For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die." A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away the stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to remember embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to seek and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to cast away a time to tear and a time to sow a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war in a time for peace. That's a lot there. That's a whole lot. Preach a sermon just on that alone. If I dissected it. And I may do that. Because there's so much information right there. But we're looking at the time to keep silence and a time to speak is what we're focused on today. Again, if we look at Proverbs in chapter 25, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 12, says this. And again, this is Proverbs 25, verses 11 through 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold 
is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Something golden. That's powerful. That's how our words can affect the person that we're talking to. Of course, there is an appropriate time for silence as well. Like Memorial Day. They say on 3 o'clock p.m. local time tomorrow, just have a small moment of silence. And remember all those who gave their lives for us to have this precious freedom and liberty that we so cherish now in America. Because there are places in the world that don't have everything that we have. They have to hide in small churches. They've got to hide their Bibles. Or they can be jailed, or even worse, beheaded. We don't recognize everything that we have because we've never experienced the loss. After you've been on a mission trip, let me tell you something. Especially if you go on a mission trip to Mexico. You know what? You, you, you cherish a nice soft bed. Real toilet paper. The ability to take a shower. When I was over in Mexico, there were only certain times you could take a shower because they only filled up the cistern on top of the building twice a day. And you had to be fast when you went in there and take a shower. You'll be halfway and you'll still have soap on you and the water cut off. Or you go in to take a shower and there's no water at all. When you use the restroom, you couldn't flush the toilet, or you should, couldn't flush toilet paper down the toilet because it would mess up their sewer system. So you had to throw the toilet paper in the trash can next to the toilet. And when you get back to America and you can go into your bathroom and turn on that hot and cold water and take that shower for as long as you want to, or you can just don't have to worry about remembering what you got to do before you flush the toilet. And you don't have to, when you're in a city and you don't have, the roads aren't muddy, filled with potholes and water. Only some of the roads are paved. It, you're, you're thankful. When you get in the car and there's not 25 people in the car with you. <laughs> well, whenever we go somewhere, you know, just about everybody that was, you know, half the people would get in one car and half the people would get in the other car. We had so many people in a van one time when we went out to, to go around the neighborhoods passing out tracks and everything. There were so many people in that van, it was like a sardine king. So you say, why do you want to go back? 
That doesn't sound appealing. Sleeping on a concrete floor. Oh, that was the only, that was the only place I had to sleep right there because there was a couple nights when I got to, I visited a different church and they had a member that allowed me, you know, into their home and I had a bed to sleep in. But the majority of the time I was sleeping on a concrete floor. On a little mat about an inch thick that I took with me, but when you're as big as I am, that don't help much. So you get up in the morning feeling sore. But why do I want to go back? Because of the joy of spreading the gospel. I've had invitations to come to Afghanistan, Uzbekistan. People say, you'd go over there? Those Muslim countries and preach the gospel? Yes, I would. You wouldn't be afraid? Jesus said, fear not. For I am with you. I've always said, if the opportunity comes and I'm able, I will go. Whether it's here or abroad. Wherever I get the chance to spread the gospel using my abilities to illustrate the gospel with illusions or twisting balloons or preaching, I will do so. In Italy, I had to have somebody translate or translate while I was doing my magic presentation so that the gospel message could be preached in a park. In, in Italy. So whatever hardness in the circumstances doesn't matter. It's the joy of spreading the gospel that's important. And it's not just for me. It should be for all of us. We should all have that desire to spread the joy of the Lord. And we have to do that by opening our mouths. It won't happen any other way. People say, I live by example. Well, I've got friends who are Wiccans that have, that look like they have great lives. They're happy. They don't do drugs. They don't drink. If somebody would want to say, I'm going to live by that person's example. Well, if you find out, this person's a Wiccan. He doesn't have the joy of the Lord. I've, I've spoke to him many times. But he's dead set on his way. Well, that doesn't stop me from sharing the gospel with him. But, you know, his heart has been hardened. And the Holy Spirit hasn't interacted with him. But people who would see him say, oh, well, I'll follow his example. So just saying, I'm going to lead my life and be an example. If you don't open your mouth and say, you know why I am like I am? And share the gospel and give them the opportunity to let the Holy Spirit come down and work in their lives. Light a fire in their soul. And have them accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That person is going to die and go to hell. Period. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh... To the Father except through me. Period. 
One time a popular preacher was on a show and the person asked him, well, do you really believe that, that Jews and people that follow Islam are going to hell? And the person smiled and said, well, it's not my duty to judge. A very well-known preacher. I won't say his name. Some of you probably know who I'm talking about, though. But in essence, what he was doing on that syndicated radio or TV show was denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because his answer should have been, unless they know Jesus Christ is their personal Lord and Savior, they will not go to heaven. But he wants to be popular. So he didn't answer the question truthfully. And how are his words affecting people that don't know Christ? Of course, this raised a, a, a controversy. Another preacher came up and said, I'm sorry, you've got to know Jesus if you want to get to heaven. You have to have him as your personal Lord and Savior. The gospel isn't popular. As Christians, sometimes we're not going to be popular. But we have to set an example not only how we live, but with our speech as well. The times to be silent. We find in Proverbs 11, 12 through 13. It says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. We back up to Proverbs 10, verse 19. It says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, verses 27 through 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. What about that? Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. He was smart just to be quiet. Proverbs 26, 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Hmm. 
James chapter 119 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Be quick to hear. In other words, be quiet and listen. A lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because we halfway listen to somebody. We don't pick up everything that they're saying. And right away, we only act on what we heard. Sometimes we need to be silent and process. Listen closely. Husbands are bad about not listening, aren't they, wives? Well, that's what I've been told. I don't have a wife. But I've heard that husbands are good about being in the room and women talking and not hearing a, a word that they've said. That's inconsiderate. If I was fortunate enough to have a wife, I'd want to know what she was saying to me. <laughs> Another thing that we take for granted. So we've got to learn to listen, comprehend, and then speak. Or sometimes it's best just to be quiet. Have you ever had that argument with a spouse and said, Ooh, it, it, things would have, been, would have healed a lot faster if I'd have been quiet? Life would have been a lot smoother. If I'd have prayed about, prayed about it first before I... I got back to him. A spoken witness produces faith. As I've said before, our words can also enlighten, encourage, and inspire people. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, they may come to know Jesus as the Lord. This is why I have said it before. Know your story about how you came to salvation and be willing to share it. Have you ever written it down? How did you become a Christian? How were you introduced to Christ? How has having Christ in your life changed you and made you a better person than the one you were before? If you say, I haven't noticed a change, you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there should be some changes in your life. Somewhere, even if they're minuscule, you say, well, I lived a perfect life before I was a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life in church, and I got saved when I was 12 years old, so I'm, I'm perfect. I haven't changed a bit. Is the way you look at people different? Do you love people? Oh, that's important. Well, there's some people I don't love. Oh, you better pray about that. Are there any other, like, like I said, my, one of, part of my story is I went away from the Lord for a long time. I was saved when I was young too. When I hit, got as older teenager, 
I started being one of those people. I'm tired of being around all those old hypocrites in church. They say one thing, they do another thing. I'm not going to live up like a hypocrite. If I'm going to sin, I'm going to sin big. And I did. Woo! I was away from the Lord a long time before I came back. But when I came back, and I accepted, I, I, I rededicated my life to Christ. I was still saved, but I wasn't living according to the Word. When I, I came back to Christ, things changed. My language changed. My voice changed. How I spoke changed. My interactions with people changed. I didn't want to be around people who were constantly cursing, taking names, God's name in vain. I quit drinking. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. It wasn't like I was saying, I'm not going to drink. I just quit drinking. Didn't realize it for over a year. In a, in a Teresa's restaurant, and every time I went for Mexican food, I'd get me one of those great big fishbowl margaritas. And I realized it had been over a year since I had had a drink. I no longer wanted to have, drink a case of beer every weekend or two. I no longer wanted to have a margarita every time I went to a Mexican restaurant. That wasn't part of my life anymore. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still got a lot I got to change. A lot of things I'm praying for the Lord to give me strength to do. But my life has changed. My love for people changed considerably, dramatically. That yearning to share the gospel. So how has your life changed? Write it down. So you know. So when you're talking to somebody, you don't have to beat people over the head. It can just be a casual conversation. And say, listen, you know why I, I love life? This is my story. Just relate it to them. They may ignore you. They may want to be Argumentative, I do not get argumentative. I'm not going to debate you on the flood. I'm not going to debate you on the age of the earth. I'm not going to debate you on all these other issues. I'm saying, here's my story. Here's how, how my life has changed. If you want to know God, get in the Bible. Because if you seek God with all your heart and mind if you're truly seeking God with all your heart and mind God will reveal himself to you and then the Holy Spirit can come and work in their lives but you've got to open your mouth you've got to speak so many people are Christians but they are afraid to talk to people about Jesus They don't want to share their story. Your story is important. You know why I know your story is important? Because you are a member of the family of God. And God has adopted you. Because he loved you so much. 
to give His life on a cross. He died a bloody death for your sins and my sins because He loved you that much. Because He cared for you so much because He wanted to get take the law out of the picture and give grace. So just believe. It takes that small step of faith. Believe in me. Accept me as your Lord and Savior. And you will be saved. Tell you what, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Share your testimony. You never know how it's going to affect somebody. You're going to be surprised when you get to heaven and there's going to be people come up, shake your hand and say, thank you. Because if it weren't for, for you, I would not have been here. Think, how many people has your life affected? How many people have come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ because of you? It's somber. But if you're a Christian, that should be something that's important to you. What a wasted Christian life it would be if you went to heaven and there was no one there that could say, He introduced me to Christ. Just think about it. That's all I ask. Just think about it. We read in Romans 10 verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. In Isaiah 50, verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. In Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 3, 15. 1 Peter, chapter 3, 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and Respect. I love that verse. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you 
for a reason, for the hope, the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Jesus Christ was silent before his accusers. Because, and this is important for us because we are also affected by the words spoken against us. And Jesus gives us an example of how we should behave and react when others are trying to tear us down. Let's look at Matthew 27, 14. But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. In Luke 23, I'm sorry, 27, 14, it says this. But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. I'm sorry, I, I did Matthew again. In Luke 23, 9, it says, So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. In John 19, 8 through 9, we read, When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Yes, our speech is a direct reflection of our character. So what we say does matter. I'm almost finished here, I'm sorry. I've been running a little bit long. I hope you don't mind. Like I said, this is the this is the final thing. Lastly, the way we speak and the way we express our sin selves defends our character to those who are watching us. In Matthew twelve, verses thirty four through thirty seven, we read, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasures brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Boom. The, uh, so in closing like I said I was at the end here I ran a little bit long like I said when the Holy Spirit grabs me he grabs me and I gotta say what I gotta say I don't apologize for that God isn't on a time scale I gotta, I gotta speak when He tells me to speak, because I obey God. I always will. I will not. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a slave to no man. I'm only a slave to Christ, and that's how you should feel too. Amen. 
So how does your speech define your character? Does your speech reflect that you are a Christian, that you love Jesus Christ, and that you are someone someone should want to have what you got? It's all in how you speak, it's how you walk, it's how you act outside these doors. If you just come to church just to be with the folks that are here, if you're not coming to church because you want to serve God and celebrate God and sing a joyful noise, you're coming to church for the wrong reason. Church isn't a social club where we come to gather. Church isn't a place for perfect people with perfect lives that have nothing going on. If you were perfect and everybody in the church was perfect, we have a problem. Church is a place for sinners and people who are looking for the joy of Christ and associating with people that can help them better understand Christ and encourage each other. That's why we're here, folks. But again, our speech matters. This building would be full if we all opened our mouths. Yes, I've been inviting people and they haven't come, but I still are asking people. Please come hear me preach. Come join our little church just for one Sunday, just to see what it's like. See the people there. If somebody comes here, are you going to show them love? Are you going to welcome them with open hearts? Who are you going to invite to church? Do you just ask them once and then forget about it? Do you have family members in Augusta that can come? I love children. It wasn't always so. I told you I've changed since I started this life of Christ. I twist balloons and people are amazed. They say, how do you have the patience for that? I said, oh, you should have known me before. I could not stand children. Little pesk in the way, asking questions. I love children now. Ask me anything you want. Jesus said, welcome the little children. Oh, I'd love to have a vacation Bible school. I'd love to have a Sunday school full of children. There's something we got to pray about. But you got to, without action, you can have all the faith in the world, but if there's no action, what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. Because you've got to put faith into action. You've got to believe and you've got to act for God to answer that prayer. Do you hear me? Like that old brother, can you hear me now? Amen? Called to be an evangelist too. Sometimes I gotta get I get fired up. 
I like being fired up for the Lord. Don't you want to be fired up for the Lord? Come on, people. We gotta pray. We've gotta bring joy into the world. Make people live an example, speak an example. We can do it. I believe we can. Thank you. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for allowing me to preach your word today. Lord, thank you for giving it to me because this sermon was so easy to write. I'm praying that you'll open open my eyes again and see what I need to preach next week. Because I want to reveal your word. I want to encourage people. But Lord, I need your help. I need you to fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Get in these people and fire them up. I need your help, Lord. Lord, I pray for the people out there that are lost, that we come in contact with, that you'll go before us and interact with those people and and encourage them to come to church. Lord, I pray for you to give us wisdom and understanding. The better you know when we should speak up and the times we should just shut up, Lord. Give us that wisdom. Give us that knowledge. And add power to our words when we speak to people with the Holy Spirit so that they can have ears of understanding. In all things, Lord, we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We thank you so much for our salvation. We thank you for dying on the cross. For rising again. And giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That comes to all true believers. Protect us this week as we go out and about in our daily lives. Put your joy in our heart. On our face. And in our speech. In Christ's most holy name I pray. Amen.